Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to another unusual but interesting edition of FNO InsureTech. I am one of your many hosts. It's not that many. It, it, it really isn't. No. There's just two of us. There's just two. Uh-huh. And usually it's two of us. That's kind of nice that we usually do this together, right? We do. Not very often do we do it with just one of us, although it seems like here recently it's kind of kind of happened that way. Well, it has to be a quite an extenuating circumstance for us not to do this together. True. Right. And, and yeah, normally it's the the show was booked, we didn't mm-hmm. check our calendar, planned a trip, uh, and then we couldn't show up for the podcast. Yeah, we share our calendars with Alicia Moss who does all the booking and she takes it for granted that what's on our calendar is is accurate, which is her first mistake when you agree. That's right. So, all on us. So yeah, Alicia, yeah. We say it, that we say that because you you're actually not on the podcast today. I'm actually not on the podcast. That's correct. I am not on the podcast. And today we have we have in an insure tech that goes to show you that the the breadth of insure tech is very very broad. Correct. It, it is. It is. So we have Lawrence Shaw on today with AAA Trek, and I get a visit with with Lawrence. Uh, he's all the way from London. It's like our third or fourth or fifth person from London um, that we get to speak to. But he's going to talk all about ADA compliance and websites, and his product is surrounding making sure websites are ADA compliant, uh, as well as insuring companies if they're not something that I didn't even know was a thing. And so we get to go in uh, very, you know, we get to go into depth today on what it means to be ADA compliant and, you know, all, all, all these things, which is very interesting because it's an international problem. It's an international thing that he's trying to solve. Uh, but it's, it really is a, it really is an interesting conversation. Right. And that, 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 uh, it gets back to the old conversation that when we started this, we thought we knew what InsureTech was and right. how, how big, high, wide it was, but we had no idea. And so uh, Lawrence is here with us today to kind of um, illuminate that for us. And so what do you say we get to it? Why don't you go ahead and do the introduction? Well, without further ado, here's our podcast with Lawrence Shaw, CEO of AAA Track. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. Today we have Lawrence Shaw on, CEO of AAA Track. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, we're very happy to have you on. So Lawrence, where do we find you today? Where are you calling us in from? So I'm I'm in actually for once sunny England, about 20 miles to the west of London. In the countryside, got a lot of people nowadays working from home. Is that how London still is? A lot of people working remote. 
Oh yeah, I mean the city is very very quiet. We have yeah. Um, I think sort of the sort of the, the sort of West End areas are starting to sort of pick up a little bit, but yeah, it's it's noticeable the change and potential long term change over here. Well, Lawrence, we didn't bring you on today just to talk about working at home, and but we brought you on today to talk about AAA track. Why don't you spend a little bit of time and tell us what is AAA track? Okay, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, my pleasure. So, um, yeah, AAA track is really a, a service and technology enshrined with sort of cost coverage insurance to help, as we say, make the digital world a better place and sort of accessible to all. As we know, there's lots and lots of rules, changing regulations. And actually, we talk about the pandemic, but one of the things that COVID has taught people is their sort of reliance of online. Yeah. And especially sort of across, I mean, we see sort of education, government, corporate communications, that the web and digital, rather than being sort of, well, we've got one of those, it's nice to have. It seems to be now the forefront of communications and learning, training and support which thrusts, you know, an even greater importance in ensuring that you're sort of quite accessible to all. Um, against that, and we see it far more prevalent in, the, in mainland the US than over in Europe, although we've got the regulations, we're probably 18 months behind in terms of enforcement. Lots and lots and, and very much exponentially growing um, litigation and sort of le- le- legal cases being brought against organizations for failure the, against the ADA. Now, you know, we're probably in the early, the embryonic stages of, of regulation, but we've been looking at sort of, and we've been offering sort of automated compliance for about 15, 20 years, privacy and accessibility. And one of the things we've noticed and sort of been looking at is the sort of growth of the litigation and the, the challenges organizations face in terms of being compliant. I mean, in the main, the majority want to be compliant. And the, as the, the challenge they face is, is understanding what compliance is and then achieving it. And as we sort of, we're in sort of, that's just the early, as the, the embryonic stage, we see of sort of where this market is and where this market's developing. You know, a lot of organizations are at the, at the state of, well, actually, we've realized we've got a broken problem. We've got a broken website. We've got a, a challenge within ADA and ADA compliance. And their approach is to, you know, let the digital team sort it out, the web team correct it. Some of them are putting sort of widgets on their website, sort of plugins, which sort of promise lots of compliance. They're going back to their providers, uh, et cetera. But they're really sort of, it's solving the problem at the wrong end. It's sort of more like looking at the symptoms, waiting for something's broken, and then keep repeatedly trying to solve that problem. Whereas actually what AAA tracks done, and I've been in, you know, I've got a company called Sightmorse who does the diagnostic testing. Oh, okay. But it, it's almost as if you wait for your cars to be broken before you go and sort of fix it, send it to the auto shop. Mm-hmm. What we've done is sort of try and try and look at and address what is the sort of root cause of the problem and where does the problem lie. And really, it, it's sort of in our experience, and it sort of breaks down into, and this is at the heart of AAA track, is helping to understand the sort of the, where the sort of the three core areas are, and that is sort of how do you make the reporting understandable how do you simplify the reporting so people can understand what they have to do and what their level of risk is the second area is what we consider the area of sort of supplier supplier reporting supplier accountability i'll go into each one in a in a touch more detail and then the third area is really sort of the internal training of staff uh, making sure that you know those that are publishing doing things on the web can actually do things in a sort of compliant way yeah and then to wrap that all around and 
I suppose a bit like we have today, cyber's really quite a cyber's significant, but it's not the grand scale of sort of where we have with sort of overall physical premise type support and premise insurance and premise coverage. Mm -hmm. But I see cyber expanding dramatically as today you've got, I suppose at the front end of cyber, you've got malicious activity hacking. You've then got privacy in the middle. But what's very much emerging is the sort of new area of cyber, that of content failure, which sort of ADA fits in. And as we all become reliant on digital, you know, cyber, and we move from physical premise to online, you know, that sort of this whole area has to expand quite considerably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose if you go back to the problem when we talk, yeah, and unless unless organizations consider this sort of in the same way they consider risk, digital risk, so cyber risk, and with cyber risk, you, you know, you have risk management people who deal with it, you take out insurance coverage, insurance protection against the eventuality of it'll go wrong, it'll go wrong one day, and be that by human error, you know, whatever sort of malicious activity. Um, organizations still spend time mitigating the problem, but they also have the sort of the, the protection of the coverage. And I think that's and that's the, the approach we've taken with ADA, because you know, yes, it is emerging, and there's there's various acts that are, that are coming in, the sort of the new the new newer regulation as it evolves, but. The challenge for say the challenge the challenge for organisations is firstly understanding what is a very technical very technical standard. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to you know if one was to read, you know, for, for the majority of organisations, the majority of management reading the standard is not something that you know lots of people could can do you know, in a morning. Why don't we take a step back here and help me understand? What does it mean, you know, ADA website compliance? Whenever you're referring to ADA on, on digital, what does the digital platform have to do to be in, in compliance? What are we looking at? Good question. Yeah. So it, it, we're, we're, all, we're all connected to and we're all talking to about what the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. Okay. So if one was to consider, consider a, shopping, a grocery store uh, in a shopping mall, uh, when you when you visit that store, you might see disabled spaces. You might see wheelchair ramps. You'll there'll be sort of doors as doors a certain width. There's a whole whole raft of regulation related to ensuring sort of accommodation for all. Okay. Now, if we think of a website, a website should or web, the, the the ADA for websites is also about accommodating all. The difference is there are people with certain disabilities, you know, visual disabilities, hearing, cognitive. Etc. So, what what accommodation is for your website is about accommodating for those less fortunate. So, for instance, on a web page, somebody who can't see can't see the pictures on your website. So, in accommodating accommodating people for your on your website, it's about making sure the pictures have got what they call alternative text. So, they've got a description. Imagine, you know, imagine you're describing the front. Imagine you've got the web page in front of you and you're describing it to somebody over a telephone. You'd say, "Picture of a man on a beach." Or picture of a man in a boat, picture of a woman, etc. So you describe the images. That's one thing. Huh. Um, another thing is where you see links on a website, and you'll see it on some websites where they'll say "buy now, buy now." They have all the buttons, and it says "buy now." Yeah. If you imagine, if you can't see those buttons, and what you you're using, you're using assistive technology like called screen readers in the main. If you're visually impaired, blind. You're using a screen reader to read out. So it's reading out the alt text, but also it's reading out what they call the link text. But if people have only got the word buy now and they've got 10 links on the page, unfortunately that person hears buy now, buy now, buy now, buy now, buy now 10 times. 
Yeah. And so you another thing you have to do is make sure that your links have a unique description. That's also good for search optimization as well. And a final thing, which is very, you know, th- these are th- sort of three things which are really relatively easy to understand on a website and also get right for people. And the other thing is, is where you have a form, where you have something where you type, where you have a box where you type in information, be it your email address, be it a search, that needs a proper label. Once again, so a screen reader can read the label out and the person who is visually impaired who can't see the web page, the, the technology that helps them read it out so they know what information to enter into the form. So in the same way we can see a wheelchair ramp, you know, it's very difficult for us to see on a website, the adjustments we have to make, but that's that's what the ADA requires. It's about accommodating those less fortunate. That's based on the the standards over here in America. But yet, you're saying that that's also rolling over into Europe, and that there are certain regulations that will be out there as well. Yeah. So most of the reg- in most countries in the world, there are regulations and standards in some way relating to. Um, accommodation, be it equal opportunities, be it disability discrimination, be it American with Disabilities Act. E- each country has their own versions of the rules. And actually, most of the rules have been in place for many years. It's really right. the sort of enforcement of it. And against the enforcement, the majority of the enforcement is against the WCAG standard. So we get into acronyms quite quickly, but right. the WCAG, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, has a couple of standards, A and AA. Uh-huh. And that is that they have they have a number of checkpoints within that standard, and that defines what what you should do with a website to ensure it's accessible to all. Wow! The challenge is once you get into those checkpoints, they are very detailed. Okay, so right now, let's say that a company doesn't pay attention to it; they just have a website. It's just a, a regular website that's out there. I mean. Could there be financial penalties? Could there be litigation against a company for not making sure that they're adhering to the the, the codes that are set forth? Yes, and very much so. So, so who who levies those? Are those against uh, litigation or are those against uh, fines? What what where does that come from? The fines that the courts can impose, the sort of regu- regulatory the regulatory fines, are quite low overall. The challenge is the sort of the lit- litigation. Um, the lawyers that are bringing the action, be it the demand letters or be it the lawsuits, their fees can go can become very very high very quickly. I mean, there have there have been some cases, um, Scandinavian Airlines, where you know we get in you get into sort of six figures. Yeah. Um, but in the main, the, the 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 biggest costs are the 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 litigant parties' um, legal fees. And then your and then your own sort of costs, because defending a case can be quite difficult. One, it can take some time to find the specialists. Um, it can be very distracting for an organisation. And then you know, I mean, tip, typically, I mean, at, at the low end, even for sort of K twelves, even sort of you know, K twelve type sort of area schools, you know, a demand can cost them between sort of eight to ten thousand dollars just to just to quickly settle it, just to sort of settle. Um, typically, the external costs are around twenty-three to twenty-seven thousand dollars. If you, you know, de- dealing with a claim, it's estimated that I mean, the average is fifty-one thousand. Although about a third of the claims that are going through now are repeated. Unfortunately, once you've been caught by one firm, you tend to be on a hit. Sort of, it, it's easy to be hit again and again because the, uh-huh. the challenges are: it's very easy to prove failure. 
and you know organizations you know on repeated claims can be you know 110 120 1000 plus but it's not just the i mean if you're a big corporation yes okay $120,000 is not something one wants to pay out but it's the distraction to your business and you'd also have to argue that you know one of the, you know one of the, the motivations behind AAA track you know schools shouldn't be being sued for something they have limited knowledge of or capability of dealing with. And, you know, they should be spending that money on books. Yeah. So AAA track comes in and they will not only tell an organization how to get things right, you also offer an insurance policy that would cover them if they are not right in, in the time that they're trying to get things right. Am I correct? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, the, the challenge, cha- yeah. So we go back to the challenge for all the organizations and this yeah. is where we sort of really try to create it in a, a an understandable non-technical way. So yeah. So clients subscribe to our service, uh, $99 a month. So it's, it, we, hopefully it's not sort of cost inhibitive prohibitive for anybody. And then you get a level of immediate, We've then got a shield which people, which we give people to put on their website, so that so it actually, one of the keys here is, and the key to the lit, protecting against litigation, is demonstrating you're doing something about this. And we found that in about seventy percent of cases, once you can sort of remove a lot of the technicalities, which is what we sort of try and do with our system and try to help people understand, and that comes into the simplified reporting area of it. Once once organisations that really understand where they are. Um, and then what our technology is doing is behind the scenes, I mean, we've got about 3.5, 3.6 trillion data points. because We've been doing, doing this for sort of many years, collecting the data. Mm-hmm. So we can actually plot what the company needs to do on a, in a step-by-step way to become compliant. So we're sort of behind the scenes, we have an engine which is looking at looking at their level of risk as well, which is also key for the sort of insurance carriers of, in the future. Right. So we're looking, we're looking at level of risk. So, you know, I suppose in very simple terms, client subscribes. They've got the protection of AAA track, both in terms of financial and cost coverage, but also in expertise. So that if they do get hit, at least they've got the people that they can call on straight away. And then we have banks, so people like Wilson Elzer, we have um, dedicated law firms ready to go because being able to react to a demand really fast is also key to, to sort of efficient, efficient settlement. So once the clients put their shield on the website, it normally takes about an hour. They then go through a step-by-step program, and that covers two areas. One is training their staff. So actually, hopefully, we're we're solving we're solving the root of the problem. I.e., in the same way that if you went, we go back to sort of ADA, you know, physical accommodation for building. When you start in in a company, you get taught how to do the use the lifts, how to use the wheelchair ramp, you know. As, 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 the, as the market matures, hopefully mm-hmm. organizations will be training people on privacy, on, on ADA, a digi- the, the digital requirements of, of regulation. Um, so our system's automating that based on what's really the problems on the website. We're automating the training. And then as key, key the, the sort of the other key area of this is supplier management. You know, if we go back to sort of the building analogy, um, in building code today, when you put up a building, there are there are considerable regulations to follow. You've got a lot of building code to understand, and throughout the building process, there is um, a level of sign off. You know, and that sign off is independent, and that's and that's the final challenge here. Is a lot of there's a lot of promises made by a lot of suppliers, which organisations don't really have the technical capability of challenging, and that you know. The, the, without 
without the sort of the supplier being challenged and you know, being in independently verified, the, unfortunately, the organisation is left exposed. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a building, you know, in, in conventional building, you know, there is, you know, there is regulatory, there's regulatory inspections for ele- electrics, uh, plumbing, you know, there's a whole range of testing. It, it's where the market needs to mature. I mean, as we say, you know, if, if a builder comes in and puts, does some work on your, your house or your office, they don't sign the work off themselves. You know, that should be the, there should be no, there should be no difference with digital. The builder shouldn't be signing off their own work. Well, so tell us this. We have a lot of listeners. We're an insurance tech, you know, insure tech podcast. We have a lot of people listening in the insurance space who have a website showing off what they're doing, taking claims, writing policies, doing all sorts of things. I mean, what, what do they need to be aware of, especially in the day of COVID where we think a lot more things are going online, people are working at home, claims are an all-time high for property, uh, auto claims are coming back. You know, I mean, what, what, what needs to be on these professionals' minds whenever they're working on their digital platforms? Really, I suppose you know, it comes down to you know, being mindful of regulation. And, and so most people are quite mindful of the regulation, it's a way of understanding what that regulation means and, and making sure they're achieving that regulation. So it isn't so much about them not understanding what it is. It's that they think that they might have addressed it. However, they might not have done it correctly. A lot of organizations have things like accessibility statements. And on the accessibility statement, they declare they're compliant. But yeah. you know, it, it's the sort of, you know, I, there, was a, there was an article in sort of um, United, on United Educators um, just, just yesterday about a university, you know, gold star award in accessibility from their, from their you know, content management from their systems provider. The, the actual page they talked about how well they were doing failed the basics of things like no alt text on images. You know, that, that's the challenge. You know, you've got the vast majority of people believing they're compliant um, be that through, you know, one one stage complacency where people say, "Oh, it's okay." We, you know, we've we've been told by somebody it's all okay. You know, un- misunderstanding of rather complex regulation. But the third part of it is really, and, and you're only you're only going to be as compliant as you, as you were at that point in time. The only constant is change. And unless, and this is the thing why the insurance is the insurance is so important, because you can be you could outsource you could, you could outsource your website today and say to a you know an agency right make sure this is one hundred percent compliant. Um, unless there's an independent inspection of that compliance, you don't you know you you've got to entrust the capabilities of that of that vendor. You've also gone outside to have it done, so you haven't got any knowledge transfer inside, so you haven't improved your knowledge and capability internally against if you've done that today the thing that the thing that you know is going to happen in either the next hour the next day or the next week is going to be there's going to be some changes on your website if the people doing the changes don't know about the rules they're going to affect the website um and and against this and hence the sort of even if you're compliant even if you're 100 compliant today that doesn't mean you're going to be compliant tomorrow and it's about having the robust independent verification so it's it's not just accepting when somebody says yes you're compliant. It's okay. How did you assess that? What were the measures you applied? You know, and what are you doing next month to ensure? Because you know, the regulation isn't. Re- I hope the, the regulations are never there just to catch people out. The regulation is to catch those that don't want to comply. There's a lot of in quotes they call drive-by lawyers. 
the, the days of when they used to drive past the sort of hospitals or the schools to measure the height of the light switch, you know, to look for easy wins, <laughs> they've just got yeah. the digital capability. Um, and then the other part of this, um, I think the, I think the other, I think a thing that would also make significant difference, and it's an area we're talking to a couple of the carriers about now, is in the same way that carriers need to mitigate their risk, you know, because they're paying out on either general, you know, policies, you know, covering a lot of these costs. I mean, our policy covers people up to fifty thousand with no no deductibles. Um, based on them achieving a level, a level of you know dem- demonstrating, you know, going through a process and dem- demonstrating compliance, right? But also from a carrier's point of view, they need to start, um, on, you know, mandating this sort of thing so that they're not at risk as well. Because it's unfair if a carrier carries all the risk, yeah. Um, whereas they could, you know, and some of you know some of our partners we're talking to about how they mandate this service to their their insured. Once this goes from being a digital problem, because digital are very busy and it's not the most exciting thing to deal with, unfortunately. It's and it and it's it's very difficult to comprehend. And it's the change from it being a so if you go back to your sort of insurance companies they're doing this. This they they shouldn't see this as a digital problem. This is a risk management issue. Yeah. And then and look at it from risk management point of view. What do you do to manage risk? You you need to have robust processes in place and policies which can be audited. In audited independently, and then you have um, the coverage in place when it goes wrong. Well, so take us back a little bit. Where did AAA Track originate from? What is the history of it? 2016 started to look at this because that's when a, the the, I suppose the litigation started. We saw the litigation grow quite a lot in the US. We interviewed a lot of our clients, um, competitors' clients, so across you know your site more site improve other names in the market. I go through yeah, there's a, and I sort of spent some time asking people why why they weren't improving, and it, it may seem a strange question to go and ask your competitors' clients, not to sell, not to try and sell them a service, but you know you're buying our product, you're buying competitive products, but nothing because we we can we benchmark you know, uh, you know tens of thousands of websites each month. It's seen as a digital issue, and I said, "Well, you know, why, why are things not improving?" And then you sort of say, "Well, actually," and, and then then we drill, one drills down into actually where's the problem, and the problem is, you know, lack of really, as we say, lack of supplier accountability. You know, suppliers signing off their own work against staff. Not the cost, the cost and time to train staff. When you just say to staff, "Well, actually, let's put you on an accessibility awareness course," and so staff go out the office for two days, but without any context. And so we saw that as the sort of the key to the foundational issues where if staff are not trained, they can't be expected to do a good job. And if suppliers are not validated and independently assessed, there's no accountability. So let's, how do we solve those two problems is the first area. And then we said, well, actually, now to, to what we need to do to ensure those areas are monitored, we need to make the reporting more understandable for management. And rather than it being a technical digital report, it needs to be considered as a risk. Because if your website's failing, you know, in the same way, say, it's, you know, as other cyber areas fail, you're putting your business at risk, really, and your organization at risk. It's not just, oh, the website doesn't work today anymore. So we looked at how we could sort of make the reporting more understandable. And then we thought, well, then we sort of looked at it and said, well, this area needs, you know, you need coverage to have the ultimate, you know, in protection because it doesn't, you know, you can have the best trained staff, you could have the best suppliers and the best reporting. You know, human error and technical error means one day things will go wrong. 
and that's where you that's where traditionally you know people don't want to have the problems but one has you know one has car insurance against the you know unfortunate you know if one day you have a car accident or your car's pinched you want coverage to cover it you don't you know it's not one thing you want but you know you need the ultimate protection you know and confidence that if anything goes wrong you know you've got a financial compensation to cover you Four years later, we had a we had a coverage. Although I would never go back to it, it's very difficult. Yeah, convincing insurance companies of a brand new idea against mapping against technology, and then, and then sort of mapping risk, variable risk against a single premium. I am interested in that. I've been doing a lot of work on the on the underwriting side and and risk and calculating some risk. I've been involved in that here recently, and I'm. I'm interested, what is that conversation like whenever you go to these underwriters and say, hey, I got an idea. Are you willing to take on this risk? Here you go. Like, What does that conversation look like? That sound of when the, the phone's put down on you, that, that uh-huh. dead tone look, that, that's what you get quite a lot. <laughs> I would imagine. It's not, it's not a typical thing. It's not like, hey, I'm going to start riding uh, you know, semi-trucks. This is a brand new thing yeah. that's out there. I suppose one of the advantages we've got a good track record in the market. Oh, yeah, I, I approached quite a few of them. One of the challenges as well, over, over in Europe, the problem's not seen as, as, as significant. So mm-hmm. a lot of European coverage, a lot of European providers didn't really understand the problem. Um, eventually sort of got to speak some wonderful people, some great guys on the Brit cyber team who, yeah. who really understood the problem. Yeah, the company called Brit that, yeah, we're British and we didn't deal with any British companies over here. Um, <laughs> but some guys, yeah, I suppose they, they, they understood the sort of the basis of the, 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 they had a fundamental understanding of what the problem was. And then once you can understand the problem and then say the, the sort of sheer volume of data that we've got in relation to um, number of websites, we probably audited more websites than any other organization in the world and got the data. So it's about three and a half trillion data points we've got. So we, when you've got that scale of, of information, there's not many, you know, even compared with the data sets that underwriting uses today, that level of content and mappability of sort of mapping risk against like, likely failure against premium, you know, is it profitable at the end of the day? But also being able to sort of look at a process to how what is demonstrable as actually de-risking the process um, against also, I mean, the other underwriting challenge is changing regulation here. Right. A 3D model of a problem of, but, you know, the guys at Brit got it. How amazing. I mean, it's just really, really neat. It just shows you that if you have a good idea and, and you're able to really uh, explain it, there's somebody out there who's going to be able to understand it. To sort of Britain and also, you know, Gallagher in the early, you know, Gallagher's our sort of first big broker partner. They're both companies. I mean, we also work with over here. Brit have a handicap race team where uh-huh. people, less fortunate people, race Aston Martins at breakneck oh, speed. Wow. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say with hand controls. But you see, wow. yeah, I, I think it's also the culture of some of these organisations where Brit. Lots of organizations talk about, you know, the, the importance of inclusivity. And I'm not saying none of the other firms do in any way. They all, you know, right. it's, but right. Britt and uh, the CEO, Matthew and his team, you know, they seem to get the, not get the problem, but appreciate the challenges that it's, it's not, it's not people don't, it's not, this isn't something people need to get as a problem, but it's about understanding the challenge of everybody and making, you know, making things fair and equitable across, across, you know, regardless of capability and ability. 
Yeah. Um, and p- perhaps it's that sort of also as well as sort of, well, actually, we can bring about, ch- this is a, sometimes about bringing about change, not just the, you know, not just insurance premiums. It's if carriers mandated uh, to their clients, this this is a risk that's gone on for too long. We can't cover your ADA risk unless you're doing something about it. You know, the market's matured. You know, you have to be inclusive to everybody. Yeah. Perhaps that's why they got it more than ever because they're, you know, they're, the way they're sort of forward thinking of it. That's so neat. I, I love that. So as we end our podcast here, I would imagine that we have a lot of people who are asking the question, I mean, am I compliant? Am I doing what I need to do? Am I, am I, am I meeting all the needs that are out there? What, what, what is your recommendation for our listeners, uh, for uh, continuing to educate themselves on making sure that their digital footprint is doing everything that it should be? There's lots and lots of surveys. Pretty much every survey says how many people fail. Um, But a lot of people think, well, that's not us because our supplier said that's okay or we've got this report to say we're okay. I mean, the, the, the biggest reality check everybody's got to get is pretty much any website we go to, we can show failures. That's the first thing, you know, people have got to understand. And failure is, you know, yeah, except that you're going to have failures. Once you know what the problems are, you can then decide how you're going to sort them out. That's the first thing, yeah. Don't, okay. don't be, there's just, there should be no complacency. There should be no, there should be no supplier saying it's fine. There should be no internal, oh, don't worry, it's all sorted out. Or as we hear, don't worry, we're having a new website. There's the, there shouldn't be any excuses. There should be, right, okay. You know, if, if your door doesn't open at the front of your building, you need to fix it. If your website doesn't work, you need to fix it. And, it, and albeit the Domino's case and all the other cases, it's actually really – it's not that expensive to sort it out. If you just spend a couple of hours doing some of the base – if you spend a couple of hours doing – checking as, as we, we're, we're sort of launching a campaign, just check three things. Check you've got – check your images have all got an alt text on. It's a relatively simple check to do. You know, um, if you you can go to we're it's in we're actually testing it this week. It's due to go out in about a month, but we're launching a, a system on on aaatripletrack.com slash check. You know, people can try that, and it, it'll look at the the three. It'll look at the basic things. So check your images of our alt text. Check you where you've got a, a, an input box, a form on your website. They've got descriptions, and also look on your look on your web page and look at the links and see if each link has got a unique description. That's a great start. Yeah. Then, you know, rem- you know, the way people are remediating the problem, which is waiting for the symptoms to, to manifest themselves, you know, you've, organizations have got to address the root cause, um, you know, supplier management and staff training. That's the, mm-hmm. other, that's the other area. And then also expect that things are going to go wrong every now and then. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> human error, it's going to go wrong. You know, it's going to go wrong. It's like you can spend as much as you want on anti hacking technology. You're not going to stop hackers one day, but mitigate against that risk. And the web's for everybody. And if anybody gets a chance, look at the improvement it makes in somebody's life. Somebody who's, who can't see, can't really, it's very difficult to go to the bank or go to the grocery store. Think, yeah. you know, if you can make their life better by you know, helping use their device, make their life just that much better, and you've only got to spend an hour, it's not just about being sued. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm hearing. It's not about worrying about what you're doing wrong. It's about worrying to make sure you're doing right. You know, do what you need to to make everyone feel uh, included and everyone can access and make people's lives better. 
don't be intimidated. You know, but I say if even if they start with just those three things, I mean, the accessibility community will shoot me down with flames by saying, "Well, everything's important." But yeah. you know, we've got more data than probably most put together, and we can say that if you if 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 if, if over the next year every website did that, you're looking at a seventy percent improvement for everybody. I mean, that's wow. the scale of improvement. It, yeah. Just by doing those three things, and that's an hour a month. Well, Lawrence, we're here at the end. I want to thank you so much for joining us today from so far away. Uh, no, I love, my pleasure. I love podcasts because we can bring people from all over the world uh, to our listeners. So thank you so much for being on. I look forward to seeing the success at AAA Track, and I hope to visit with you again soon. Okay. Well, thank you, Lee. Thank you, everybody. And yes, do come back soon. Thank you now. Thank you. Well, we'd like to thank Lawrence today for being on the podcast. What an interesting podcast where we were able to learn about something that we had never really known before. I didn't even know it was a, a situation. Um, I feel like I've really learned a lot today. Uh, so I want to say thank you to Lawrence for being on. Thank you to our listeners. Rob, we missed you. We hope that you will be on the next one. Until next time, goodbye, everybody.